Magi Nation, this is an exciting episode for you. Sabrina and I are giddy with how much we loved this guest. This guest is named Michaela Daystar, and uh, wow, she brings magic through Reiki, and her exploration of Reiki is very, very inspiring. You are in for a treat. So a little bit more about Michaela. Michaela Daystar founded Heartscapes at the intersection of self-reflection, spiritual practice, and social action after a 15-year career in social justice leadership development in universities and organizations. Wishing to support her clients and students to make their precious contribution to the world from the inside out, she teaches the system of Reiki as a pathway to self-development, emotional resilience, and remembering our true self. In working with other Reiki practitioners, she also teaches trauma-informed principles to increase safety, trust, choice, and consent in our healing communities. Michaela continues her studies of Reiki with the International House of Reiki and holds a master's degree in social justice leadership. Oh, members of our Magi Nation, the nation of magicians that are out there, you are in for a treat. She, Michaela is definitely a sister of the Magi Nation. So let's welcome Michaela Daystar. Hello and welcome to the Ground and Magic podcast. I'm April Tarot. And I'm Sabrina Marie Chase. Welcome back. Today I'm so excited. Hello, Michaela. Michaela is our guest. Hello. Hello. Welcome. It's exciting to have you here. I love how this podcast is kind of expanding the kindred spirit network. And I totally feel that you're definitely one of our kindred spirits. So, um, so welcome to our podcast. Uh, one thing we like to say, start off the conversation is what does magic mean to you, Michaela? Uh, it's such a juicy question to start with. Um, the first thing that came to mind was magic is a human need. That's a phrase that's been with me for a while. Um, but that doesn't necessarily get into what does it mean to me, right? That's kind of its importance to me. It's, I feel that it is a human need. But what it feels like to me in this moment is that magic is the point of intersection between our internal space, the integration of our body, our mind, our voice, our energy, and the external spaces. And it's the it's it's what animates that connection and it's what reminds us that there actually is not a a true distinction between the internal and the external space so perhaps the short way of saying that is it's the collaboration of life with itself Ooh, the collaboration of life with itself i love that <laughs> so michaela can you tell us a little bit about the tapestry of your life and how you came to this work yeah, absolutely. The tapestry of my life. I love the I love the verbiage that you bring to this conversation because um, it brings out so very much. I would say the tapestry of my life um, is very much related to that definition that I just offered. It's really finding those points of collaboration between uh, aspects of life. And so, um, you know, as you shared, my my work is working with the system of Reiki, teaching it, practicing it from the perspective of its Japanese origins. Um, and in, you know, the, the tapestry of my life, that is a thread that I've followed for many years. And that actually began with uh, work in a very different realm, which is the, the area of social justice leadership development which I worked in colleges and universities and organizations for many years, and really working with the uh, external doing 
of making change in the world and following our purpose and passion and supporting people to increase their capacities and their commitments to make change around the things that really matter to them. And at a certain point, realizing that there wasn't a lot of space in the way that I was doing this work for connecting that doing that external piece with the internal being that my students Mm -hmm. and collaborators brought to it. And, you know, when we're talking about people who are called to make positive change in the world, oftentimes that's coming from a place of, of having been hurt by the world and that there wasn't space in the work that we were doing for people to acknowledge that and to work with that. And that that's okay. There needs to be doing spaces. But I came to realize that, you know, following the thread in the tapestry of my life needed to lead to that internal work and to support people to understand themselves, their motivations, their barriers, everything that was in the way of them being resilient and joyful in that work, as opposed to only coming, not only, but leading that work from a place of anger and hurt and, um, you know, fearfulness. Uh, And so I shifted quite significantly into working with the system of Reiki and have been developing that path ever since. It's such important work. I mean, especially in today's day and age of social justice, and it can absolutely be so depleting, especially coming from that wounded place, right? Because it's just, it's the wound that's kind of screaming and angry and, and creating that momentum to go forward. But if we can heal that wound and come from a much more whole place, then it can feel like it can be so much more powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's so great. Looking at your webpage and listening to you talk, I get the sense that you are coming at things in a very different way from many other people I know than we've talked to. You talked about resilience. You talk about being, and you come from social justice. And perhaps this might be one reason why, as I look through your class offerings and saw the quote that you used to open up one of your class pages, I thought, this woman is different. So can you tell us a little bit about how you are different and what you are doing that is maybe a little unusual among Reiki practitioners? Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess kind of jumping off of that quote, a uh, quote from Marika Hamahata, who's a, a fellow Reiki a teacher and practitioner up in Oregon or Seattle. She's on the Pacific North Coast um, up above me in California. Um, and, you know, she's working from the perspective of an indigenous Japanese background and from a perspective of a ecological framework a nature based framework. And the quote I don't have memorized, but the, the essence of it is that, um, you know, looking at practicing Reiki as a fast track to mastery of a healing practice that's about doing things for others which is exactly how I first learned and practiced Reiki. It was a a hyper focus, again, really building off of that, you know, perspective of of doing the work of changing the world. Um, I I stepped into it wanting to learn a healing modality to help fix other people, help heal other people. And, you know, fast tracking through the three levels of, of Reiki, 
um, felt important. It felt like we need to get to the finish line of getting that third degree certificate and calling ourselves a master and going and doing the work. And what I realized is, you know, summarized in that quote, which really lands on the, the purpose of the system of Reiki is about the state of our being. It's about how we actually are walking through the world how we are navigating our internal spaces as we interact with our life more so than fast tracking to a destination and claiming mastery. And as I was, you know, in my practice and continuing to, to learn as much as I could, I started to feel this sense of dissatisfaction with that type of path with the, um, you know, the very linear, the very goal oriented, um, you know, framework in which I had been learning and practicing. And, you know, not just as an interrogation of how I was being taught, but how I internally was approaching it, you know, from a very, I would say, almost codependent standpoint of like, let me go fix everybody else so that I can be okay. Right? Because if everybody else around me is okay, and I can heal them, then I'll be okay. And that I had to really confront at a certain point in my practice when I felt like I was so dissatisfied with it, I, I was going to have to give it up. And the first was really in self-interrogating yeah, that I even could fix everybody else. And that why am I looking at this practice as something that's about what other people are doing as opposed to a self-practice? Why am I not turning this practice on myself? And certainly, you know, self-practice was part of what I learned, but it was almost a secondary thing. Like, okay, yeah, there's these precepts that tell us some pretty things about how to be in the world. And yes, I'm supposed to be doing sessions for myself regularly, but really the point here is fixing everybody else, right? So I had to interrogate that um, and really turn that on myself and say, okay, but am I capable of feeling okay and resilient and full and whole and joyful, whether or not the people around me are okay? Because if the answer is no, then I need to take a break here, right? And the answer was in fact, no. <laughs> and, and then you're just repeating where you came from, right? Like you're just repeating the whole social justice piece as I'm out there to transform the planet, but inside I'm hurting and wounded, right? So yeah, and, and these these realizations were really coming at the same time. I was learning the system of Reiki while I was still working in um, you know, my previous job. And so these points of dissatisfaction with those two aspects of my life were were coming to a head at the same time. There was a lot of dissatisfaction in my life at that time. <laughs> um, the other piece that had always been kind of niggling in the background, but increasingly came forward and started to really assert itself and really scream in my ear, was that I was always aware that Reiki is a Japanese system that comes from a particular time and place in a country and from a culture that is not my own, that I have some connection to through work that my parents do, but not a direct connection. Um, but I wasn't learning anything about that. I wasn't being taught what that means. Why are the pieces that make up the system of Reiki um, specifically Japanese? What did they mean from their original perspective? And why am I learning about things like chakras and um, cord cutting and shamanic work and angels inside of a system that didn't that that must not have had those things included in the 1800s in Japan? 
right? And so what am I missing here in my education that I don't, I, I couldn't actually tell you what is explicitly Japanese about this system that I've been practicing now for years. And coming, you know, particularly coming from this background of racial justice work, just the lack of integrity of that, of being a white American woman practicing an, an art that comes from indigenous Japanese roots and esoteric Japanese Buddhist roots and not knowing anything about that. It just, it just, the lack of integrity there became too much for me. And as I said, I almost gave it up until I found that little thread, that little golden thread that led me down the path of learning what this system really is about, where it comes from. And, and uh, luckily I grabbed that thread and have been on it ever since. It's so interesting because my spiritual awakening was through Reiki. Like I had science degrees and I was the science girl and, you know, I was going to be a doctor. This is in my early 20s, you know, just yesterday. I mean, many, many years ago. <laughs> so it was, it was, uh, and then through roundabout events, I ended up taking Reiki. And um, what I know is Reiki and what other people tell me is Reiki are very vastly different. Um, and I know that there's been a lot of political stuff within the whole Reiki community and what really is Reiki and where did it come from and what's the lineage. And I know there's a lot of political turmoil around that. And I just love what you're saying because when I was taught by the Reiki master who taught me, um, you know, it was you couldn't take your second degree Reiki until you had had at least six months, I think, of the first degree and practicing on yourself over and over and over again. And then to go from second degree to master, that was a minimum of seven years before you can even enter the conversation, right? Because, you know, there's the whole saying of, you know, it takes 10,000 hours to master anything, right? So, like, how do you get 10,000 hours in a weekend? So, when I hear people that are taking it in a weekend, I'm like, I don't, I don't understand how you can become a master of anything in a weekend. So it always had me kind of leery. And I also come from a, like, I really try to come from a place of acceptance and non-judgment. And so it, it, it's like, what are you learning? What am I learning? Is it the same? I don't know if it's the same. So mm -hmm. I love that you're actually questioning that. And like, you know, is this how it's supposed to be? Is this really, because the history I learned is very different than you know, let's do a weekend as fast as we can kind of thing. <laughs> it feels almost like that's kind of like the Western quick fix, get it done as fast as you can has kind of been put on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we're the country of the melting pot, right? So you pull, you pull things in from wherever you want to grab them from. doesn't matter. Just grab them, drop them in the pot, melt it down, pull out what you like, form it into something that works for you. That's a little bit of a, a cynical way of saying it. But, you know, I, I think there's some uh, truth to that historically. And, you know, the question of, you know, what truly is authentic Reiki is a, is a difficult question to answer for a lot of reasons. And, um, you know, one of the things I feel really grateful for as far as my pathway of answering that question, which is no, in no way 100% answered. But, you know, my my original academic training is as a historian. Um, so my my undergraduate degree is in art history and um, a lot of my graduate work had historical um, context. And so, you know, the way that I look at it is if we approach this from a human perspective, right, from a culture perspective, a history perspective, this system of practice came from a time and place. 
And there's not a lot known about Mikao Usui, who was the person credited with forming this particular system of practice, but there is a lot that is known about the historical and cultural context in which he lived and the specific things happening in particular moments of his life in the world around him in his immediate vicinity. And in the time when Reiki was traveling to the West, there's some very specific and fascinating historical things that were happening that absolutely inform why Western Reiki is what it is and, and, and gives us a pathway to kind of unravel some of that. Um, while acknowledging that there's no way that we'll ever fully know or fully duplicate what Reiki, the system of Reiki practiced in the time and place of Mikao Usui um, truly was um, for a lot of reasons. And also acknowledging that that Reiki as a concept, spiritual energy, the word Reiki in Japanese, the symbols and mantras that form part of the system, part of the five elements of the system of Reiki, have a long-standing history in Japan, far be hundreds, thousands of years before Mikao Usui. And so, you know, there's so many layers of history that we can use to enrich and inform how we relate to this practice while always acknowledging that we are going to bring our own lens and perspective to it. And so, you know, my goal is always as a practitioner, firstly, for my own personal practice, for my practice with others, and then particularly for my teaching, um, really holding that space of we want to get as close as we can to those origins, fully acknowledging that we're going to filter them through our own lenses and we're, and it's good and right to bring it into our life in a way that blends it and integrates it with other aspects of who we are, other parts of our lineage, other practices that we know, other, you know, just pieces of us, that that's good and right. But the, the better relate our relationship with is with each of those pieces, the, the more clear and clean our relationship is with all of those pieces, the more clear and clean the integration of them is going to be in our life. And that doesn't, doesn't just mean Reiki. I mean, for me, part of that, you know, blending and part of the lineage that I bring is, you know, my own cultural and ethnic roots in you know, Celtic Europe. And for the longest time, I didn't know much about what that meant either. Right. You know, I could claim that ethnically, but I didn't know what that meant culturally, historically. And so, you know, what I found is that, okay, if I want to be in integrity in this realm of my life with Reiki, then I better be in integrity with that one as well. Right. And so, you know, more research gets piled on. There's always more to learn and more to research. Yeah. I love this. And I'm also incredibly curious about the relationship of the history and our, our connection to it that's so critical that you've just laid out and the golden thread you found to guide you through this problem. Can you speak to that? <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, so if I'm understanding your question correctly, you know, I, yeah, I'd mentioned that turning point of like, oh, I'm so dissatisfied, I need to leave this, let it go. And then that, that turning point. Um, and so, so that turning point in my own tapestry was actually an animal Reiki class. Um, my original teacher um, here in my hometown um, brought together, you know, many amazing practitioners that would come and teach different things. And she's built a really um, robust community here in this in this town around Reiki. And so she brought a, a guest teacher who teaches in the realm of animal Reiki. 
and animal Reiki, you know, there's like, we can do Reiki with animals, so whatever our training, but there's a specific field called animal Reiki and was particularly codified by a woman named Kathleen Prasad. And then Kathleen has students who are authorized to teach. And so um, in this animal Reiki class, which I'd taken completely on a whim, literally like this is the last class I'm going to take. And then I got to step away from this for a while. Um, we did these practices. We did these meditations that I'd never encountered before that had nothing that were completely different than anything we'd ever done that had a different premise as to the purpose of them in the work that we were doing. And in the midst of these meditations, all of a sudden it felt like, it felt like my roots had been hovering above some deep source of groundwater for a long time that I could sense was there, but hadn't tapped into yet. And it was like, I was dying of thirst so close to this, this, you know, underground river. And it was like, finally, one of my roots like dipped into that source. And it was like that, it literally felt like being flooded with nourishment that I had been starving for. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> Where has this been all these years? What are we doing? Where did this come from? Why haven't I learned this before? And what I would go on to learn is that the practice that we were doing was a variation on a practice called Joshin Kokyuho, which means in Japanese, a method to focus the mind. And it's the foundational practice for the system of Reiki from its origins. And it's a, a meditation visualization practice that's rooted in esoteric Buddhism and, um, you know, is, is the foundation. Every other practice builds on that practice. And it's applied in a very specific way inside of animal Reiki. Um, and it was, it just, just opened my eyes. And so what I, what I realized is that Kathleen Prasad, her teacher was, um, a pair of people who had spent the last 25 years researching the Japanese origins of Reiki and reclaiming in the West, um, what those origins were and, you know, building an understanding, a growing understanding of those origins, um, in, the West, um, Europe, America. Uh, those teachers were Franz Stina and Bronwyn Logan, and they've now been my teachers for the last five years. So um, because Kathleen had studied with them, picked up these practices, it filtered into her students and eventually filtered down to me. So it was like this river, right, that was that was flowing. Um, and so that, you know, that that was the thread that I then started to to follow and to to, to trace and like, oh, right, of course, historian, go to the history, what was happening during that time? Um, what, what, what was it that was coming together, you know, in that moment, in that historical moment in Japan during the Meiji Restoration, when everything in the culture of Japan was changing? Um, and, and why is it that this particular practice of thousands of practices that were being developed at the time regionally, very small regional practices. Why did this one make it out of Japan into our hands? Why is it still here 120 years later? And that is a historical story that I could probably spend the next three hours telling you. And we only have a short piece of time. So I'll just leave that there for the moment. <laughs> Want, leaving us wanting more is it's awesome. It's so great. Um, so how, like one of the things that we always talk about on our podcast is, you know, how to make this alive and real in our lives. So like a lot of people, it's like, do I have to be a Reiki practitioner? Like, or do I not? Like, how do you, 
have the magic of Reiki be alive and real in a grounded way in your life? Like, what does it yeah. look like? If I was like a fly on the wall, how would I see what you're doing to keep Reiki alive and real for you? I love it. I love it. So one of the stark differences between Western forms and the original form of Reiki is, is the concept that you either have it or you don't. You're either attuned to Reiki or you are not. Um, and you cannot practice Reiki in any way, shape or form until you have been attuned by a teacher and learn some basic practices. From its origins, however, Reiki, spiritual energy, is simply what we are. It's simply what and who we are. It is the spark of life that's at the center of each of us, that's always present, that's always clear and whole and healed and resourced, no matter what is happening in our life. Um, and that the distractions and the pains and the traumas and the limiting beliefs and all of the illnesses that we encounter in our life, all of the pains, all of the sufferings that we choose get in the way of that. They, they cover it up. They distract us from it. They cause us to forget that we are actually fully resourced and connected to all of life, no matter what's happening with our physical body. Right? Our physical body is going to experience pain and injury and illness and ultimately death. But aside from that, inside of all of that, there is this spark of life that's essential, that's always present, and that is characterized in particular ways that are described by the precepts of Reiki. Now, the precepts were something that I first learned as an afterthought. It was this list of nice things that, yeah, that sounds nice. What does that have to do with hands-on healing? It has everything to do with living our life, embodying the magic of Reiki in our practical day-to-day, -day, right? Because what would it mean in your day-to-day -day life, in your relationships, in the challenges you face, in the choices that you have to make, in the mundane things, in the profound things, if you could approach all of those things unattached to fear, unattached to anger, not pushing those things away, letting them come through, inform you, give you information, and then move. You're not attached to them. What if you approached all of these things deeply rooted in gratitude, and therefore fully present for what is, in, in acceptance of what is, and therefore grateful, therefore able to take action in a way that is compassionate, a way that's true to yourself? What if you could make every choice in your life from a place of being true to who and what you are, your way and your being, your time-bound way and your not time-bound being? And what if you could make every choice in your life from a place of compassion for yourself and for all other life, even the life that you don't like, right? What would that mean for our daily life? Those things seem nice and pretty and simple in a lot of ways, but is it easy to approach a really challenging situation in that way? The whole system of Reiki is designed to help us embody those things, to help us or live our life as described by those precepts and a lot of entailments that we can describe that are connected to those precepts. For example, fully immersed in joy, right? Joy that is not dependent on what's happening, right? Joy that's inherent. And so the practices inside of the system of Reiki can be learned by anybody. That practice I mentioned, Joshin Kokuho, simple breathing practice. Uh, when we leave here today, I'm going to go to the Dixon Public Library and teach a bunch of people that practice. 
They're not going to be attuned to Reiki. They're not going to be Reiki practitioners or Reiki masters, but they're going to learn a simple breathing meditation that will help them feel more grounded, that'll help them feel more aware of themselves, more embodied, that might help them to let go of fear or anxiety in a moment where it might come up. And they'll be in the practice of Reiki. They'll be more connected to the Reiki that they already are, right? Anybody can work with the precepts. Anybody can think, what would, what would this situation that I'm facing right now that's so hard, what would it mean? Well, how would it look different if I was rooted in gratitude right now? How might it change the situation if I wasn't so afraid? How might it change the situation if I could let go of some of this anger that I'm carrying about this situation? I just had that conversation with my roommate. He was holding on to so much anger about this person who'd been so cruel to him for so long. It's like, and he's like, what would it be if I just had a different relationship with myself around this person that I can't change? I can't make them be different, you know? So that's the magic of Reiki, right? It's not about miraculous healing, although I have seen miraculous healing occur, right? It's like, what is miraculous healing, right? It's it's the outcome of what we're paying attention to, where we're focusing our mind. And the five elements of the system of Reiki give us a roadmap for how to focus our mind, what to focus our mind on, and what conditions need to be present for us to stay in that place of focus, even when we're distracted and things are hard. Mm -hmm. You've talked about the five elements of Reiki. Can you go over them quickly? Sure. Uh, it begins with the precepts. First yeah. element, just for today, I anger not, I worry not, I'm grateful, I'm true to myself, I'm compassionate to myself and others. Then there's breath work and meditations, right? So breathing meditations that help us to be with that, to embody that, to contemplate those, those precepts. There are symbols and mantras that are drawn from the Shinto and esoteric Buddhist roots of Reiki that come from Japanese culture, again, hundreds and thousands of years older than this system. Uh, the symbols and mantras are not there as uh, a magic word to, you know, conjure something out in the external world. They're, they're focus tools. They're, they're instructional to us. They're giving us something to rest our mind on because some of us need something visual. Some of us need to use our voice, right? Using our voice is an incredibly important part of the system and therefore chanting and mantra is part of the system. Third is the, the one most people are focused on and love the most, which is hands-on healing. Tenohira in Japanese means palm healing. A uh, beautiful, wonderful practice draws on the just inherent healing quality that physical touch has. But again, the purpose of it in the system is to help focus our mind through our body. So we have practices that help focus our mind through our mind, contemplation, focusing our mind through our voice, mantra, focusing our mind through our body. And lastly is Reju, spiritual blessing. This is the ritual that um, has been changed, transformed, misinterpreted as attunement in Western Reiki. Um, and its original intention is multi, but just in simple terms, it's a ritual for, uh, first of all, being in agreement that we're in this practice together, and then opening us to what we most need for our learning in this moment, just right now, in this moment, what do I most need to have an initial experience with my true self, to remember the wholeness of my true self and embody the precepts. Right now in this moment, what do I need? It's a ritual for opening to that many other layers, but that's a simple way of putting it. So those are the five elements. 
And then each of those elements have practices that fall under the element, but are, are of course, very intertwined. It's a very integrated system, but, you know, our minds like to categorize things and separate them out into, into categories. So that can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Michaela, can you perhaps offer one fragment, one piece, one little step or moment for the people who are listening that they can explore in this moment to help them take a step towards the kind of self-integrity, the kind of resonance that you are describing? Yeah. I think for me, it, it really always comes back to the two things I've already talked about a lot, which is the precepts and, and that foundational breathing practice. So one of the things that I think is the most easily accessible um, for folks, easy to to learn and kind of immediately effective is uh, this breathing practice that has us, you know, get into a relaxed space, follow our breath into our belly and rest our attention in our low belly. The system of Reiki works with the energy system, just like other systems, um, but it's not the chakra system. It's called the three diamond system. And the first diamond is in the low belly, just below the belly button, deep into the center of the body. This is the energy center that's connected to the earth. It's associated with our physical body, and it carries the qualities of rootedness, groundedness, resourcing, focus, um, the solidity of having a strong foundation. So we need to start there, right? For obvious reasons, we need to be stable, secure, grounded, resourced. And so many of us in our modern life live up here in the realm of the second diamond, the head, but in an untethered way, in a way that brings on a great deal of anxiety. We have epidemics of anxiety uh, in our culture. It's an untethered mind. And so many of us, we talk about grounding and grounding being so important. Um, And there are many, many ways to be grounded. And inside of the system of Reiki, this is where we start. And so I would, you know, just offer the simple practice. Joshin Kokiho has many layers that we're not going to get into right now, but the the basic uh, starting point is to rest your attention on the sensation of your breath. Let that draw your focus inward. Let your belly be soft so that it can expand so that your breath can come low in the body and practice focusing your mind, your attention at that point, just below your belly button in the center of your body to just rest your attention there. The next step is to imagine a spark of light right there in the fertile darkness of your low belly. And just those two things alone can change quite a bit about how you're approaching any given moment. And it can be done in the midst of a work meeting, in the midst of an argument, in the midst of driving somewhere, walking your dog, right? It can be done at any time. It's incredibly accessible and incredibly effective when we focus our attention on it, because that's the key. The whole system is to train our mind to focus attention in particular ways, starting with the first diamond. Oh, Michaela, you are definitely a wise woman for sure. You have so much wisdom to be gained. Um, How can people find you if they want to learn more from you and want to learn more about your, the way you view Reiki? Yeah. Uh, So my business is called Heartscapes, my teaching practice. And uh, we teach in a variety of ways. Um, The 
centerpiece of our teaching is a year program where we give a lot of spaciousness back to your point april about the importance of giving time to integrating the practice not just fast tracking through it but also having some container around it some structure and keeping in mind that in our busy lives we do need to have things scheduled according to a particular pattern and so we've designed a very spacious very um, flexible, but also very structured year-long program that walks folks through the three levels of Reiki with a lot of one-on-one -on -one support, a lot of community building, um, and a lot of uh, additional trainings and resources according to what each student is interested in. That year program launches every July and every January. Um, anybody can take our Reiki 1 class. They can join in on that first degree class um, that begins in July this year, July 9th, or in January, um, and then decide whether or not they want to move on. If somebody wants to just drop in for a Reiki 2 or a Reiki 3 class, I schedule those on a one-on-one -on -one basis. I'm starting a one-on-one -on -one Reiki 2 with a student um, in a couple of weeks. Um, and that's a really lovely opportunity to, again, be very customized about a, how a person learns. And then um, I do offer a free class every month. Um, and that is really, um, it's really well aligned with, with all of your intention here around how do we bring these fairly esoteric concepts and practices, you know, from these ancient roots into practical application in our life. So I pick a topic that is that feels relevant to the world um, or in my life or my students' lives in that moment, and we explore it through about an hour class, and that happens every um, first Wednesday of the month. Um, lots of other ways of working together, um, all of which can be found on my website, which is heartscapesinsight.com. Beautiful. And another way to uh, just connect with me, learn a little bit more about um, how I see things and to drop into teachings across a wide range of spectrum is on my YouTube channel, uh, which is Heartscapes Reiki. And um, that is just full of videos that offer practices and teachings inside of this container that we've been discussing. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Michaela, for your time, for your wisdom, for all of the work that you've done to figure out how to make this work for you, which is something we love here because magic works differently for everybody in different realms. And it's about finding the magic alive and real in your own life. So I love how you've taken your background of social justice and history and done the digging to really expand what you know Reiki to be in a way that's culturally appropriate to the time where it was created and also culturally appropriate to right now. So um, wow, that's some really amazing work that you've done. And it's, uh, it's lovely to see and to um, be a part of. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, April and Sabrina. I love what you two are up to here. I think it's so valuable to take the perspectives that you're taking to bring the mystical into the logistical and figure out how to walk magic in our daily life. Because honestly, magic is everywhere all the time. It's there for the seeing, it's there for the experiencing and every moment. And it's about training ourselves to see it. And so you all are doing a great service with this. Thank you. Thank you. This was a pure delight. Until next time, please remember to subscribe to Grounded Magic and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. 
Now go and take that magic into your day. If you really liked our podcast and don't want to miss another episode, please subscribe and or follow. This allows others to find us more easily and the magic will be multiplied. And we all want more magic in the world. You can also help others find us by rating us and leaving a stellar review. The Grounded Magic Podcast is powered by Indigo Fires Productions. Sound engineered by Eric Tarot of Tarot Studios. Music composed and performed by Eric Tarot. Online business management by Natalie Gallagher of IOMI Digital. Founded by April Tarot and Sabrina Marie Chase. Thank you.